0: It Doesn't End Here is intended for mature audiences and may be disturbing to some. Please use discretion while listening. Hey guys, and welcome back to It Doesn't End Here podcast, season two, episode six. I'm your host, Rachel, and I have my lovely babe Kayla here with me today. Hey girl. Hey. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm okay. It's January, which is the worst month. I mean, I know it's your birthday. It's in January. That's the only good thing about January. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, I really hate January. It's cold, but I'm coming back to Oklahoma City in two weeks, and I will be with you soon for an entire week, so I cannot wait.
1: Yes, it's going to be so good.
0: Much needed reunion, girl time,
1: and catch up and all the things.
0: I know. It's been too long. So I'm excited because this is episode six. There's only seven in the series, so we're we're kind of rounding it up here. What do you think about the season so far?
1: I think it's really good. It's definitely different than mine. As far as it coming from a different perspective of the physical abuse, which – we both know is very, very, very common. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're bringing that to light. And I'm glad Laura was gracious enough to share her story. And we're getting so many positive messages. I mean, our social media has blown up. (laughs) It really has. I mean, we are nonstop growing. And so I just think that really shows that people are relating to this And I mean, it's growing faster than any account I've ever grown. And it's because it's very niche. It's very, it's something that probably every single woman has gone through in her life, some sort of toxic, abusive relationship, whether it be emotional, mental, physical, or all the above. So it's definitely bringing to light a lot of things that people don't want to talk about, but it needs to be talked about. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. that we are being the ones to step up and do it. And I
0: think it's going awesome. Yeah. No, me too. I'm so excited. And Thanks to all of our listeners and to all the women who are following us on Instagram and you've messaged us. Um, we've gotten some really intense, deep messages from women reaching out for help. And, you know, we're not doctors or therapists, so it's hard sometimes to give you that advice because I, I don't know. I can tell you what I think from the, what we would do.
1: yeah. Or what you've witnessed or what we've experienced. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the best people to give advice are the ones with the experience, as opposed to just a therapist getting a degree in that category, but never having gone through it herself. It's like sometimes Mm -hmm. the best therapists are the ones with the experience. So,
0: one thing I do wanna talk about today, which is going to be highlighted throughout this episode, is what to do if your ex tries to come back into your life after you've kind of cut ties. You know, say you're a couple weeks out, you're living your life, you're trying to get over it, and then boom, text messages start coming in. What do you do? <laughs>
1: I say your ex is an ex for a reason, right? I mean, you don't go through all that mm-hmm. trouble to move out, find your own place, pack your stuff, move into your own place just to go right back to the same patterns that you were doing. So, my suggestion for something like this. Is start to journal about this or make a list of all the ways that your ex made you feel, whether it be he put you down, he talked bad about you, he commented on your weight, or just anything like that. Where how do they make you feel? And like try to relive those feelings and then think about the feelings that you're feeling now where you're, you might, you know, you might still be sad that and grieve that relationship, but like when you're by yourself, like, wow, like I, this is how I feel, I feel so good. So it's, I don't, it's important for me to be like, he made me feel like shit. I don't want that in my life. And you just have to keep remembering all those, all the times. And then think of where you are now currently, instead of letting your emotions take over because they definitely will try to do that.
0: Yeah. And you're going to highlight all of the good parts. Yeah. Like when you break up, you're like, oh, but I miss them. And then you start remembering all the like good parts. Even if there's really not that many good parts, you still only like really bring those to the forefront of your mind. And then also sex. I feel like couples break up but then because they are comfortable with each other and that is still there that the sex brings them back together so totally. you know there's a lot of good toys out there ladies you don't <laughs> always need a man mm-hmm. you there can survive a couple months exactly. yeah it's totally fine Totally fine. I can just email us. We'll give you some recommendations.
1: <laughs> I can't say this. I can't say this saying for girls because it's, but you know how they say, you know, don't think with your, or think with your heart, not your head. But obviously, we don't have a head. So <laughs> whatever you want to say for that.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: But I mean, I don't know. So emotions, if you think about it, emotions only last about 90 seconds. Scientifically, they last about 90 seconds. So if you can sit there in your emotions and like just feel them and let them go, then that's probably that feeling is going to pass.
0: Um, there's this book that Kayla and I have, well, you read it and then you recommend it to me. And that's like my favorite book, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer It's amazing. I'll link it in the show notes if you haven't read it before. But in that book, it talks about when you feel your emotions and you feel like tense or stress and you kind of like, you have to try and focus on letting your heart relax because your heart is a muscle. Um, And I thought that was so interesting because until I had read that book, I'd never thought about like your heart as it being a muscle you could like flex. But then once you actually practice sitting there, in meditation or, you know, just taking a few deep breaths and focusing on your chest and letting your heart relax, it actually does help with the emotions. So I hope that, I hope that helps somebody else. That's Cause I really read that good. book and yeah. it was incredible for me to kind of like realize I can take 10 seconds to like refocus myself.
1: Absolutely. Thoughts, feelings, emotions can always be opposite. Like (laughs) everything that's going on in your body is from a thought or feeling you are having. So all you got to do is rewire or change that thought or feeling.
0: What do we do when we feel like we want to communicate with our ex? I'd first say you need to remember why you broke up in the first place and not to glorify the relationship for something that it wasn't. I've definitely been guilty of this in my past and ultimately it just prolongs the breakup and the grieving process. If you know deep down that the relationship isn't meant for you long term, then don't go backwards.
1: If you are 100% done with this person, don't be like me where I was like one foot in, one foot out emotionally even though with Mr. Wannabe I was a completely across the country, but I was still entertaining at the conversations and that was literally so hard to it was hard to stop.
0: Well, you were also scared though. Didn't you say you were scared to like stop speaking yeah. to him because he would yes. freak out on you? Yeah, for sure. So how do we handle that? Like what was, how did you get over that?
1: Okay. Here is the ultimate advice I can give anyone.
0: Yes. Give it to me.
1: The things that are coming into your life, the way you are responding, the way you are reacting are, is a direct reflection of what you think about yourself. So like I was still so broken. And so like, now, I can't even imagine entertaining that because I worked on myself so much that I up-leveled and expanded to where that was so below me. That's not even a thought in my mind anymore. If someone if he happened to text me, I'd be like, huh, what the fuck? You know, like, get away. Yeah. Whereas before, I'd be like, oh, my God. So, I mean, the ultimate advice I could give you is do the work on yourself. When you grow and you expand and you know that you are better, you know you have – you are worth more than that, those little texts and those little – things that come in that are so like, Hey, you up? Or Hey, can we talk? It's like, sup girl. Yeah. It's like, no, no. Why? No, 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 no. So, I mean, that's what ultimately helped me. I mean, it took me, I completely cut it off in March of 2021 and I moved out September, 2020. So it was a whole six months of me working on myself to kind of, to finally get to that level of like, I can be done with this. I don't Mm -hmm. need this anymore in my life. I'm fine. Like, I will come back. I will rebuild and come back stronger from this as opposed to letting it just keep lingering. And honestly, it was just more emotionally draining to linger than to just cut it off.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back. Trauma is a catalyst. It provokes significant change in the lives of survivors, as well as in the lives of their caregivers. Join me, Carrie Rickert, on my podcast, Transformational Trauma and Healing, as our guests share their stories of trauma and the resources that have been beneficial to them. We will celebrate our guests' successes and learn from their struggles, adding tools to our trauma survival toolbox along the way. This episode is a perfect example of how your ex can seem like they may have changed or tell you that they've changed and slowly kind of creep back into your life. And then as soon as you hang out or within the first few times you hang out, you realize that it's the same bullshit that it always was. So, you know, we're really proud of Laura for sharing this story Uh, up until this point in this episode is, is great. This is a game changer and I'm very proud of her. Yeah, this is a
1: good one. Uh, lots, of, lots of triggers, but the, I think this is like the empowering episode,
0: mm-hmm. I think.
1: Yeah. Probably the most empowering one. We're like, yes, we see Laura finally see the light. See the light. <laughs> so super, super good episode.
0: I'm Rachel Metacroft, and you're listening to It Doesn't End Here. April, do you think that Laura was done with Mason since she was ready to press charges against him and you had that talk with her about how she would act if the roles were reversed?
2: I think she was done with him in that moment. Every When the cop left, I think she was done with him. It was the end of it for about three days. I immediately knew when they started talking again. How did you know? Her whole demeanor changed, the way she communicated with people changed, the way she held herself changed. I mean, she was just beat down all over again, just by just by text messages and phone calls. And then I said, Laura, you need to block him. He's no good for you. This is just going to continue to happen. And she was like, I know, I know, I know.
0: Despite April's advice to block Mason's number, Laura was curious what he had to say. So much had happened between them, and it felt like things were unresolved.
3: His number was apparently not blocked because he was able to contact me, saying, Hi, I miss you. I've been trying to get my life on track these last few months. He asked me if I wanted to hang out, and I was like, you know, it's been a while. Maybe he's changed. Maybe, you know, he's on a better track than he was. He was saying, I'm a changed man. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to be mean to you. I just want to see you, you know, have a good time together. He was like, my family is coming up for the 4th. He was like, they would all like to see you. I finally gave in and I was like, fine, I'll come up and see you in Kansas and hang out with your family for the 4th of July and we'll see how it goes.
0: Lori didn't tell anyone that she was going to see Mason in Kansas for 4th of July weekend. But April had her suspicions since she knew that they were talking again.
2: Before the weekend started, I got in contact with uh, our cousin who she and Mason had been hanging out with. And I said, I need help. My cousin, um, her job at the time was um, some type of therapist. I'm not sure what type of therapist. And so I was like, I need help with Laura. We had probably about three phone conversations. She had kind of gathered all the information I had told her about how I needed help and why I needed help. She called me in the middle of work and she said, I can't, I can't help you. She was like, I want to help you. I would do anything for Laura to help you, but I have children. He knows where I live. He knows what type of job I have. I can't risk anything. I can't risk my children's lives. She was that scared of him. For a blood relative to be so willing to help and then weigh the negative outcomes and them end up being, you know, they could hurt her family. That was scary.
0: That's really scary. And it's a really hard place for her to be in to have to decide between who to protect, her children or Laura. What happened when that weekend came?
2: I watched her location services and I was like, this is it. I don't know if she's going to come back alive or not. I tried so hard to push those thoughts out of my mind that like, what's going to happen to her?
3: The weekend started off a little rough. I was on my way up there and he called me and he was like, where are you at? And I said, I'm, you know, I'm about to drive through Blackwell. And he was like, well, don't stop there and see my family like my dad and I was like I'm not going to stop and see your dad like I'm not I'm coming to see you. Why would I stop there? He was like I just don't want anything to happen and I was like what would happen? And he's like trying to accuse me again of sleeping with his dad. And I was like you're not changed. You're the same person. Like I can't get to Kansas without driving past Blackwell. <laughs> There's no no way possible. Yeah. I turned around and I went home. I didn't actually end up going. He finally convinced me like he's, you know, he was like, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I really want you here. Um, I really want to see you, you know? And I was like, I really do miss you. I want to see you. I want to know that you're changed, but if you're going to continue accusing me, you're not changed. You're the same, (laughs) you know? And I said, and this is what led to you being physically abusive to me was the, constant accusations that you thought I was cheating on you or that I was sleeping with your family, which is outrageous. I decided, okay, I'm going to go up there. When I got there, we had a good weekend. It was really nice and relaxing and we just flirted and laughed and it was like I wanted. It was a weekend that I that I needed, that I wanted, and so it was nice. He wasn't paranoid. He wasn't aggressive. He was fun. He was the fun Mason that I remembered. The Mason I knew before him and I even had a relationship when we were just friends. He was the Mason that was fun, lively, happy-go-lucky guy that was one of the many reasons I fell in love with him. On the morning of the 5th, Something changed in him. I don't know what it was. He woke up in a bad mood. I don't know what put him in a bad mood. I don't know where his mind was. I don't know what he was thinking. I tried to get him to talk to me. He wouldn't talk to me. This day is what forever changed our him and I's relationship because this is the last day that I ever saw him. He went to the bathroom. He took his phone with him. He came back just mad. I don't know if it was something on his phone that made him mad. I don't know if it's he just was in a bad mood. I don't know. So I was trying to get him to open up to me, talk to me. He kind of shut down, closed off, and I said, I don't understand like why you have to take your friend to the bathroom. My instinct was that he was talking to someone else. We hadn't talked in a long in, you know, months. And so my gut instinct was that he was talking to someone else. That's why he had to take his friend to the bathroom. So I asked him, I said, Are you talking to someone else? Are you all of a sudden, changing, you take your phone of the bathroom, you're now you're in a bad mood. Is me being here causing problems?" He was like, "No, I'm not talking to anybody else." He was like, "You're the only one that cheats on me. You're the only one that talks to other guys behind my back." And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> no, no, sir. I don't do any of those things." And all of a sudden, he just went into this like big rage his whole demeanor changed. I said, why can't you just calm down? And we'll talk, you know, like, if you need some time, I'll walk away. If you want to walk away, I'll sit in here. Like, you know, I don't want to get back to where we were. When he was sitting there, his phone lit up, he like grabbed it really fast. And I realized it was a female's name. He had changed the name to make it look weird. I don't know. It was, it was a Jennifer, but it was spelled different. And he was like, it's my boss. She wants me to come into work. And I was like, oh, well, I thought you told him you weren't going to work this weekend because I was here. He left his phone on the bed. And so I actually picked it up and went through it. <laughs> and it was actually um, this girl named Victoria, who he had helped his brother move. And he kept her phone number because... He was going to do some yard work for her and painting and stuff. And so I realized that he had taken her name out of his phone and made it this Jennifer name, which was spelled differently, and put another word next to it so that he knew who she was instead of his boss. came back and I said, why do you have two Jennifers in your phone, one spelled differently? And I said, and you no longer have Victoria in your phone anymore. So I'm pretty sure you changed Victoria's name to Jennifer to pass it off as your boss. You've been talking to Victoria this whole time.
0: Okay, this is some serious detective work. And it's unbelievable that you put all of that together while he was in the bathroom. What did he do?
3: He lost his shit. He was like, I'm not cheating on you. I'm not talking to any other female. And I said, well, she thinks you guys have been hanging out. You know, you can't tell me that You're, you've you been caught. Just come out and tell me and I will leave. Like, I will literally leave. He said, you are not going to leave. He walked over to me, grabbed my shirt and hit me on my head with a shoe. A shoe? (laughs) Of all things. And I was like, this is exactly why I didn't want to come up here is because I knew you were talking to other people. I knew you would turn violent. Like, I knew you would turn abusive again this is exactly why you and I have not been talking. And I started kind of crying a little bit. And he was like, stop fucking crying. And so I couldn't at that point. I was like, what you know, my like so many emotions and thoughts were going through my head. I was like, why did I get myself in this situation again? Why did I even come up here? Why did I think he was a changed person? He's just hit me one time. How many more times is he going to hit me? And so I was like trying to think of a way to get out of there as fast as I could. But we were in On the fourth floor of an apartment, like a condo, the only way down was an elevator or outside stairs. Well, the outside stairs were too far away. They were on the opposite side of the apartment from me. I couldn't take all of my stuff and run out of there as fast as I could. He grabbed the back of my head and threw me onto the bed and started shoving my head into the bed so that I couldn't really breathe. Then he grabbed my head again, the back of my hair, threw me onto the floor, and got on top of me and told me, if he can't have me, then no one else will. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die today. Like, I literally thought he was not going to stop. When I was on the ground, he covered my mouth, and he hit me um, with a closed fist on my chest, He put me on the bed and then put his hands around my neck and started choking me. You know, he had one hand over my mouth and one hand on my throat. He was a wrestler, so he had me, like, pinned down. I couldn't, I could not get him off of me. Finally, he let go. I shoved him off of me. You know, he was like, get on your fucking knees, you bitch, and, you know, telling me I'm a whore and so I didn't, and he knocked me onto my knees. And so I just sat there in like with my bag in front of me and I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't I can't cry, I can't yell out for help. I felt like I was completely stuck in a position in a room that I would never leave and I was getting terrified. He left the room and I think he went to the bathroom. And that's when I grabbed all of my stuff. I literally ran for my life. I ran out the door. I went to the elevator. I was like, you know, pressing it a hundred times, making, you know, trying to get it to come faster. (laughs) It was like slow motion and I couldn't get it to come fast enough and I couldn't get this day over with fast enough. I ran to my car. I got in my car and he met me on the other side of my car and he got in my car also.
0: Like all the other times before, Mason started calling Laura names and continued to accuse her of cheating on him. Laura was very aware that she was in a dangerous situation and that he could start physically attacking her at any moment. She started bracing for the worst
3: he hit me in my on my right side. he was in the passenger side. I was on the driver's side. he hit me on my right side with his fist. I remember so much pain in my side and in my stomach that I Almost couldn't breathe. I mean, it felt like so many sharp objects going into my side.
0: Was this like your upper, like rib cage area?
3: No, it was my lower, like my hip area. Oh, my hip
0: area. Okay.
2: Oh
3: yeah, God. he hit me on the on the hip. I started just crying, and I couldn't stop crying. And he was like, "Stop crying!" And he called me a crybaby. And then he started. He hit me two more times on my chest. He slapped me in my face. And I was just like, kind of doubled over in my seat, like, you know, like kind of shielding myself, you know, covering my head with my hands and trying to just sit there. I didn't know what to do at that point. He told me that all of this are my consequences of asking him questions and being a jealous person. If I wasn't that way, then I would never, this would never happen.
0: In this moment, Laura decided to switch tactics and instead of trying to run or escape, Laura decided to agree with Mason and try to calm him down. This is known as the fawn response and it's a type of behavior victims use when trying to avoid conflict and trauma by appeasing the abuser. And luckily, it worked. Laura was able to calm Mason down and eventually, he got out of the car and left. Laura drove away knowing that she just barely escaped with her life. The next day, Laura had plans with her mom and sister, so she tried to pull herself together and act like everything was normal.
2: My mom had been planning on getting a tattoo as her first tattoo, so we all had to be there. I get there right after work knowing that like I'm we're going to go get this tattoo. I get out of my car and Laura gets out of her car and she, her eyes are just beet red, swollen, like she had been crying. And I'm like, I didn't ask anything, but maybe my facial expressions asked the question for me. Mm-hmm. We went to go get the tattoo and she got a wild hair um to get herself a tattoo. And so there, my mom and my sister are on opposite sides of the tattoo parlor And so I'm, like, over with my mom looking at hers being done, and then I'm over at my sister looking at hers being done, and she was just getting set up. They hadn't even put the little, like, the tracing thing. I don't know what that's called. And being the younger, Henri sister, I stick my finger into that bruise on her side so hard. (laughs) I said, what's that from? And she nearly jumped out of the chair. She was laying down. She nearly jumped out of the chair and was like, "Ah, what is what from?" And I was like, "You have a gigantic bruise on your side." But I obviously made sure my mom couldn't hear this conversation. She was like, "I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't. I don't know what bruise you're talking about. I don't even know I had one." Like you know, just blabbing nonsense. And I looked at her. Uh, she kind of looked back at me and we kind of had like this silent stare at each other for a while Mm. I like raised my eyebrows like so
0: you knew right then and there obviously you knew she'd been in Kansas and there she was again with marks all over her body so you knew that she had seen Mason
2: I did the second her tattoo healed we went swimming we were just kind of having kind of a heartfelt talk I mean it, it was not really unusual but the intensity of it was unusual it was than what it normally is she was like yes the bruise it is from mason i said are you gonna see him anymore she was like i love him and i'm like you can't love somebody that hurts you it's not possible you know we just kind of had a little talk like that and i mean it kind of made me cry a little bit i didn't like tear i just like teared up i didn't like actually cry because i was like she really does not know how to comprehend this She really does not understand the comprehension that she needs to have on this. And she's just stuck in the, I'm taking care of him. I'm making him better. He's not going to go back to jail. He's not going to do this. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you
1: the type of person who wants to learn more about bettering their mental health as a teen or parents of teens, but get easily distracted like me? My name is Philemon, and I'm the host of The Brief Dive. It's a podcast that provides brief tips from self-help advice to scenarios of change from a teen perspective. And yes, for those who do prefer the occasional deep philosophical dives, also like me, we've got
3: those episodes for you, too. Nobody's left out.
1: So what are you waiting for? Head to thebriefdive.buzzsprout.com and subscribe to join the Dive family. See you soon.
3: My mom and I went and got tattoos together and I got, I got one on my lower left side and my sister comes over and she goes, um, why do you have such a big bruise on your side? And I was like, I have a bruise. I was in so much pain and I didn't realize I had such a big bruise and I was trying to hide the pain that I was still, I mean, I still, for a couple days, my side hurt so bad. That was the biggest and deepest bruise he had ever given me. I was like, mm, that's weird. I don't remember. know I didn't even realize I had such a big, I didn't actually look at myself when I was getting ready in the mirror or anything. I stopped kind of looking at myself in the mirror for shame purposes. I was ashamed of myself. I didn't know what to do or say. And so I just kind of stopped looking at myself in the mirror and I didn't even know I had a bruise. I figured I did, but I never actually looked. And when my sister saw it the next day, then I actually took a picture of it. And I mean, it was At least three or four inches wide, a couple inches tall. You know, my sister was like, Did you go see Mason? I just looked at her and started crying. Like, I just kind of put, I dropped my head, so much shame. I was so, I was in so much like a shameful emotion at that point. And I said, Yes. And she said, Was that from him? You know, I kind of just shook my head up and down. I couldn't even say yes. I was, you know, just crying. And she actually, (laughs) this is why I love her is because she actually um, embraced me and hugged me and just let me cry. (laughs) I called and made her a police report in Kansas. She was like, well, where are you at now? And I said, well, I'm in Oklahoma City now. You know, I I couldn't call that day. I was terrified. (laughs) And I just wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. And so she took down my report. It took him a while to actually make contact with him. I don't know what happened after they made contact with him. I have no idea. He didn't spend any time in jail, so I don't know. I think nothing actually happened to him. He was talked to. He probably lied. And then they were like, well, she's not here to prove it, so they're not going to do anything about it.
0: On July seventh, 2020, Laura contacted Palomar in Oklahoma City, which is a justice center that helps victims of domestic violence get away from their abusers.
3: They helped me kind of walk through things that had happened. I had to tell them the story of what happened. They helped me file a VPO against him, which is a vic- victim's protection order in Oklahoma. In different states, they call them different things. So in Oklahoma, it's a VPO, victim's protection order. And they helped me, you know, step by step. At one point, I had so many tears in my eyes, I couldn't even see. And the girl actually was like, do you want me to write while you talk? And I was like, yes, please. It was so, so emotional and so many memories that flooded into my head while I was there. She was really kind and really understanding and really nice. And she helped me a lot. For the first time, I relived all of the abuse that he was doing, that he was doing to me, all of the Name calling, all of the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, the mental abuse that he was doing. It was overwhelming the amount of paperwork I had to fill out. And then going over, then after doing all of the paperwork, then he had to go through the whole statement. I wrote my statement. She helped me write a lot of it because I couldn't talk and write at the same time. I had too many tears coming out of my eyes to even see what I was writing. And so, you know, I was sitting there telling her, you know, what to write. It had to be in my words. It couldn't be in her words. So if if she didn't understand something, then I had to explain it to her so then she could explain it in, in writing. And then she took my statement, actually typed it up for me. And then they took my paperwork, my signatures, and my statement to the courthouse for me and filed my VPO. And that was all for free. They did it. They just did it for me. I don't, I was grateful for that, I don't think I could have gone to the courthouse and filed it myself. (laughs) I think I would have talked myself out of it or he'll change or, you know, all these things that I want him to be and that I want him to be for me and for himself. And I think I would have talked myself out of it.
0: Now that Laura had filed a victim's protection order against Mason, all she could do is wait for him to be served. Laura had a mandatory court date two weeks after filing the VPO. She had no idea if Mason had been served. And she was terrified to see him in court.
3: I asked my sister and my friend Felicia to come with me to the courthouse. I was terrified because if I was there by myself and he showed up, I would have no idea what to do. When you're waiting to go inside the courtroom, you're all just kind of standing out there in the lobby. (laughs) It's kind of nerve-wracking.
0: Did you think he was going to show for sure?
3: I had no idea if he had been served. I had no idea if he hadn't been served. And so I didn't know if he was going to show up or not. The first court date, I was sitting there. They actually put me, Felicia and April in this like side hallway off the courtroom. So we didn't have to be in the courtroom if he showed up, which was kind of nice. I was getting to be the last one. And I was like, he didn't get served, I bet. And that's why we haven't gone in yet. And so this Officer comes around and he was like, Are you Laura? And I said, Yes. And he goes, Here's your paper. It's a two week alias, which is a continuance of an emergency BPO. This two week continuance means he hasn't been served. And so he's not here. You can't testify against him. We're not going to put you up in court and just give you this piece of paper. So she signs him on the side. In that next two weeks, I had called the courthouse and I said, I don't think he's getting served. I don't want to keep going. I, you know, and every two weeks I'd have to go back until he was served. And so I was like, I can't keep coming back here every two weeks. What can I do to get him served faster? What can we do to get him? Like, are you guys sending the paperwork? Are you not sending the paperwork? I don't, you know, she got mad and hung up on me. That's your courthouse for you in Oklahoma. So I called Palomar and I said, He's not getting served because it's an out-of-state VPO and Oklahoma does not send out of state VPOs. It's on the plaintiff. I said, the plaintiffs in Oklahoma have to send out their own VPOs if they're out of state. And they were like, Oh my gosh, we did not know that. And I said, I just found this out. So I'm calling you guys, letting you know (laughs) that you can, you know, update your policies and procedures. They said, We will do it all for you. So they went to the courthouse got a copy of my vpo mailed it to me and then they got another copy mailed it to the sheriff's office they did it all again for free
0: that's really good information to know and to share with everyone that if you are assaulted in a different state than where you live then the vpo or the protection order will not cross state lines it has to be filed in the state that uh, the incident took place Huge thanks to Palomar and Oklahoma City for helping so many women leave abusive situations. There are justice centers just like Palomar in every state. These services are free, and they can help you make an exit plan, file victim protection orders, and understand victim rights. Thank you for listening to It Doesn't End Here. Join us next week for the season finale and hear what happens when Mason is picked up by the police but it's not for the reasons that you may be thinking. As always, I ask that you share this podcast with two friends. By sharing this podcast, you may help someone who you didn't even know needed help.